Today, I rejoice with the release of the Body Revelation. This book is going to be an identity connector and a destiny activator. It'll be an identity connector because so many people who are held back by trauma and pain do not know how to connect with their identity in Christ. Your message is going to show them the truth. And even those Christians who know their identity in Christ do not know how to activate their destinies. And when they encounter the message in this book, they will know the truth that we are not only citizens of heaven, but we are ambassadors of heaven on this earth. And this body that often holds so much pain is also the temple of the Holy Spirit. So thank you, Elisa, for every hard battle you have faced to get these words on the paper. And may you be equipped for every future battle because there are dragons and giants that do not want people connected to their identities or able to activate their destinies. So expect it. Hey, Revelation Wellness friends, you just heard from our dear friend, Nika Maples, as she gets under the pinata with us as we celebrate the release of the body revelation. And if you haven't already ordered your copy yet, swipe up on the show notes and order this life-changing book today. When you order by June 26th, you can join us for the Summer Body Book Club, where you'll spend six weeks training weekly with Elisa. This link is in the show notes, so swipe up to join us. We also have the best conversation on the body and what it means to have a body of praise. We're so excited to have a new favorite around here, author and theologian, David Taylor. Elisa and David are diving in on what it looks like when we invite our bodies into praise and worship. This is a conversation you won't want to miss. As always, thanks for being here, friends, and thanks to our donors who make this episode possible. Peace. Okay, Revelation Wellness community, I found a new friend and I stalked him and I said, David Taylor, please come on this podcast and talk to our people. If y'all don't know who David Taylor is, he is the author. I'm going to put the book up for those on YouTube. He's the author of this book, A Body of Praise, Understanding the Role of Our Physical Bodies in Worship. I Honestly, my heart is beating fast, David, because I feel like our little ministry here sometimes feels like we're we're John the Baptist in the wilderness, mm. crying mm. out, prepare the mm. way and, and bodies are disembodied. And, and so when I, when someone, and can I just say, I, I have a little bit of my heart beating fast too, cause you are a smarty pants. Oh, he's a smarty. Well, no. like you are. And I mean, I mean that, and of course you're humble about it, but like, look where it's funny. Look where you are. Look at your background, like books among books. I bet <laughs> nah, you have read just, all those. That's books. just my day job. <laughs> look at my background. Anyways. Um, yeah. Tell everyone a little bit about yourself and okay. why you wrote this book. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Guatemala. My parents were missionaries. I have two sisters. And, uh, so yeah, I lived there until I was 13. It was a wonderful, wonderful life-giving experience. Uh, Latin American culture is very physically and yes. emotionally expressive. Yes. And that was what shaped me at an early age. Then at 13, I moved to North Shore, Chicago, which was as opposite of a cultural galaxy as you could get uh, <laughs> to uh, being in the body, uh, a much more moderate, tempered, cold <laughs> mm. climate. 
Uh, so that was a shock to the system. Mm. Uh, it moved in other places. Uh, eventually went to the University of Texas at Austin mm -hmm. and then did um, uh, uh, some years of study in seminary. Mm -hmm. And then was a pastor for about 10 years in okay. a, a non-denom church, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And then I went and uh, got my PhD. And now I've been teaching theology and worship and the arts to students at Fuller Theological Seminary for the last almost decade. And it, that is what you, you teach is worship? Like the theology yes, I, so of I, worship? Yes, I, I teach people theology, which is to say I teach them about who God is, uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Bible, salvation creation, those things. And I teach them classes like worship in the arts, or I teach a class on a theology of beauty. I teach a, a course, this term on the Psalms. Wow. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a great job. I really love what I get to do. I was going to ask, are you living your best life right now? I, I love it. I really do. And like every job, it has tedious stuff and frustrating stuff and, and there are humans in the mix, right? Uh, we humans yeah, for sure, <laughs> but, uh, but I love what I get to, I, it really is a, a sober trust that I receive, uh, in this calling and work that I get to do. I love it. I'm already going, if you could be my theology professor, I think I could consider, I could swallow the pill of seminary that keeps coming up for me. People keep sending me invites to go to seminary and, and I, 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 you know, entertain it. And then just it's the okay. time, the time, no, it, well, it really is a time no, thing. And if I'm going to say it, I want to give my best. Yes. But I'm like, Oh, yes. I want you to be my teacher. I would <laughs> and well, I try to make it come alive. I really do. I, Having been a pastor for almost a decade, right. I understand how hard people's lives are and they're complicated and they're complex and things interrupt yes. our best laid plans and yes. brokenness <laughs> comes into play. And yes. I try to be attentive to those life circumstances. And, uh, and like I tell them, you know, theology is like the Sabbath. It's made for us, not us for, you know, the Sabbath. Wow. I yeah. want their encounter with their studies and learning and reflections to be truly life-giving. Um, so if you ever come to seminary, we'll happily have you. And you're at Fuller <laughs> Seminary. I mean, that Isn't that it? one is the one that gets uh, presented to me often. A lot of cheerleaders wow. for Fuller <laughs> out there, let me tell you. Well, we're, we're, we're glad to be there. But maybe to answer, I think you had another question, which was, why did I write this book? Why this book? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Why yeah. this book? So when I was in seminary, which is about 25 years, 30 years ago, almost now, um, I ended up doing uh, an extensive study of Jesus's healing miracles. Wow. And I had been raised like in the Bible church world, the non-denom world. And sort of what we understood was that Jesus's healing miracles were mainly showing his divine power, which it is full stop. <laughs> But I think after mm. doing the study, I discovered how much Jesus loves and takes seriously our bodies and that so much of his healing ministry is connected to the promise of Isaiah of the new creation. And so what he's doing is he's giving us little glimpses or foretastes of the mm -hmm. fullness of the new creation. Mm -hmm. So at the end of that study, I realized I was not taking the body as seriously as, as Jesus took it and that there was something fundamentally more holistic and comprehensive in the wow. healing of people's bodies that I got just really excited about. Wow. And now 25 years later, uh, I have written a book about it. So um, that's the book, A Body of Praise. And did you, other books that you've written, not, not touch on the topic of body. So this one 
Well, no, it's like, I, I, I haven't been able to escape it. I haven't wanted to escape it. So one wow. book, I, I, it's like a, a theological exploration of the physical world. Like wh why does, why did God make a cre you know, a physical creation? Yeah. Um, I wrote a book on arts and worship and I had a chapter on dance or the kinetic arts. Like what's, oh. what happens when we move our bodies or yeah. there are gestures and postures, like what's happening there. And, uh, and then I wrote a book on the Psalms. And I have a chapter on the lament psalms and the psalms of praise. And so much of those psalms are bodily uh, in the yes. ways that we work out our yes. praise and the way we work yes. out our lament or our angers. Yes. I have a chapter on the psalms of anger. So, and now this was just the whole book Extension. got to be about the body. Okay. <laughs> so David, as a theologian, how do you think we have gotten to the place of such a disintegration when it comes to our bodies as followers of Christ? Well, uh, it, it's a long and winding and convoluted and complicated history. And I think depending on what your church setting is or your church tradition, maybe you're Baptist, maybe you're non-denom, maybe you're Methodist or Presbyterian or whatever it may be. I think we all have like strengths and weaknesses in our different traditions but maybe some sort of consistent things that Christians for centuries have struggled with, which I write about in the book. One is um, the fancy term Gnosticism, which I'm yes. going to assume that maybe shows up <laughs> yes. in your conversations, yes. which was something that haunted the early centuries of the church. So Christian pastors and, and teachers addressed it head on, um, confronting these very sharp um dichotomies between spirit and flesh, soul and body, or, yes. you know, sort of the, the immaterial versus the material realm. Yes. And that continues to haunt us today, sort of this lingering sense that maybe at the end of the day, what really matters, what God really cares about is all the immaterial, sort of the heart stuff, emotions, the head stuff, the thinking, um, the soul, the spirit. Obviously, God does care about all those, uh, but we tend to think that our bodies are neutral or they're passive at best. They're things that we just lug around that get in the way, huh. like the real serious business of following Jesus or worshiping God. Yeah. At worst, we thought our bodies to be a problem, uh, right? Uh, yeah, a problem to be solved. The language of prison um, shows up that the bodies mm. are this prison house of the soul, and so we just we need to get we need to get over and um, and out of it. <clears throat> so we've. Feared the body, was mistrusted the body, suppressed the body, indulged the body, been superstitious about our bodies. I mean, we've been completely um, fractured in our thinking yes. and living in it. I think we've misread certain parts of scripture. Um, like? I think we've gotten Jesus wrong. <laughs> um, wow. And uh, and then there are lots of cultural stuff that come into play that I talk about in the book. Uh, things like boys don't cry and you throw like a girl, um, which I think have been incredibly damaging to men and yes. to women. Yes. Um, I have a section that I called the, the touchy feely Jesus. Uh, and I use that language on purpose because that is such a, has a negative connotation or the, like certain people like women are the touchy feely and the rest of us yes. men uh, were not. And I, I make the point that Jesus is the most touchy feely of them all oh. because that's the way we get a feel for God's love for us. So I think those things come into play. Okay. I, I, cause I have you here and I'm <laughs> fascinated by all this. And I mean, I, I find myself in the middle of where I am right now in a cultural moment when 
wow, we're primed and ready for this mm. in a sense of a revelation of, mm-hmm. of what it means to be an embodied follower of Christ, heart, mm-hmm. mind, soul, strength, yes. all of it. And yet there seems to be such baggage that I don't understand. This would be a reason that I would want to go to seminary is to <laughs> understand how, what, I just want to ask, how do you think, how did Gnosticism come to play? How did this separation where we, was that always in place when Jesus walked the earth as in, in the Hebrew culture? Was there, I mean, what I understand is the Hebrew culture is more holistic and integrated than, yes. than us. Yes. This, uh, the Gnostic is, is coming from various different sources in sort of ancient Near Eastern societies. I think the Greek tradition, um, the, the Greco-Roman Tradition that does uh, increasingly um, represent the body of Christ. By the time you get to the fourth century, when Christianity is legalized, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of significant uh, portion of the Christian population is going to come from like Greco-Roman mm. populations, or those in leadership are going to come mm. from that. Um, and so you have a community uh, of the church that is at a significant distance, I would suggest from that very earthy, Mm. uh, earthy spirituality, um, Mm. earthy embodied, uh, Mm. life, um, embodied mission, uh, embodied community. It's just, it's all very, very embodied. Uh, Mm. Israel's, uh, prayer book, which is the Psalter is, um, what I would call like a kinetically maximalist, um, prayer book. And, and I think what happens is that when we read the new Testament, like the gospels or the book of acts or, uh, you know, Paul's letters, we, we find things like flesh Mm -hmm. and we read certain things like, Oh, the flesh is, is bad. Mm -hmm. And then we, we, we grasp onto that and we say, Oh, that must be the final word about flesh. And so flesh is body, flesh is bad. Body's bad body. The whole Mm -hmm. thing is bad, but we miss, um, the fact then in John 1, 14, uh, it says that Jesus uh, assumes flesh. And there are two Greek words there. One is sarx and one is soma. So from like yes. somatic, right, stuff. Um, and it says very clearly that Jesus takes on as fleshy of a flesh, <laughs> as earthy of a biological, organic, you know, stuff that you could imagine and so right there, Jesus is the one who's defining for us the goodness of our flesh. Now, yes. our bodies are betrayed by sin, but so are our hearts, so are our minds, so are our wills, so are our, our you know, our sexuality. Yes. Everything is fractured and warped by sin. So that's why in the New Testament, you have these phrases like the body of sin or a body of death. Yes. That's just a euphemism to say bodies that are warped by sin. Mm. But John Calvin taught... I'm sorry, John Calvin talked about our minds as a factory of idols. He's like, our idol, our minds can betray us just as much as our bodies. Our hearts can betray us just as much. And yet God chooses to work through our bodies and our hearts and our minds to bring Mm -hmm. about our sanctification and our, our formation. So I just think we, a lot of us in a lot of traditions, we just, we, we got very sort of narrow Mm -hmm. focused and we just didn't see the whole picture and how much Jesus chooses to work through our bodies to bring about the redemption of our Good. own, you know, of our whole lives, but of our bodies. So it's not despite our bodies 
or beyond our bodies, but it is through the body, which is resurrected and ascended and sits now at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus, from this mysterious place of the future that he now, you know, lives in this, the new creation life, he sends the spirit back into the past as it were, so that we can live now a taste and foretaste of that new creation embodied life so that we are the hands and feet of Jesus in everything that we do, which is extraordinary, which is why so many young people are leaving the church today because they do not experience the hands and feet of Jesus in a gracious, merciful way. Uh, so lots of things come into play. Oh. We could talk okay. all day. <laughs> we could talk all day. And then this thought comes to mind, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I want you to correct me for sure, that it would seem to me that when the Gentiles are mm. grafted in, mm-hmm. that being a Greco-Roman culture too, that then that was epicenter of, of what was happening, mm-hmm. a Greek culture, wasn't weren't the Greeks um, more prone to asceticism? of like glorifying the body and weren't they, I I know like there's early gymnasiums were starting where they would go to the gyms, throw rocks and like (laughs) early forms of weights. Literally I've seen like a carved out stone with a hole in it for an early form of a dumbbell. Like things were (laughs) happening in the Greek culture. Now clearly it could have been further from Jesus's time, but is that some influence? Cause that's the other side of, I have, I hear right. Gnosticism, which is body, right. bad, spirit, good. Right. right. And then asceticism, which we come against where people are glorifying, look at how holy yes. I am for God. Right. Like how, so can yes. you talk to asceticism a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Eugene Peterson, um, who wrote the message, uh, was one of our professors in seminary and mm. he talked about sort of the, uh, the proper dialogue, um, but also the tension that Christians have struggled with throughout history between um, being, uh, the ascetic and the aesthetic, um, which is mm-hmm. to say sort of um, the hyper disciplining of the, well, it's, let's call it the disciplining of the body that sometimes mm-hmm. um, sort of devolves to the denigration of the body. Yes. And on the other hand, the aesthetic, which is um, the enjoyment, the 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 festal, the festivity of the body, the the love of of a wedding blank, banquet, right? The the, yeah. the making of more wine than anybody needs, right? Yeah. But then also it can then you know devolve to indulgences yes. of yes. once or, or or obsessions yes. with the body. And um, and I actually think that that the Old Testament is very clear-eyed about those two temptations, uh, and a, a lot of the prophets are trying to help the people of Israel come back to this um, this healthy middle space. But then all throughout church, you know church history, you do have sort of the swinging to the two you know to the two sides, and it's just crazy making because yeah. it's hard to find this uh, healthy whole, as you know, you talk about all the time, a healthy whole place where we can love our bodies for Christ's sake. Mm. And that means that, that, that he, by his spirit, makes us wise to know um, uh, when fasting, you know, is the right um, thing for health uh, and when right. feasting right. is the appropriate right. godly thing to do, as it were. And I have friends, I have friends in our, and you know, in my community that really struggle with feasting or really struggle with fasting yes. and both are perceived to be like, um, sort of inappropriate, you know, and yet Jesus shows how they <laughs> can harmonize in sort yes. of this, the life rhythms of entering into, you know, 
uh, a life of discipleship with Jesus. So good. So what does it mean to have a body of praise? Um, well, amongst other things, I would say we need to take our bodies as seriously as God takes them. That, that's, that's like the starter. Uh, he takes them seriously in the beginning by fashioning us from this earthy stuff. Uh, he takes them seriously in the end by resurrecting. He takes yeah. them seriously in the middle of all things by showing us what it looks like to take on flesh. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I think that's um, maybe it sounds very simple, but maybe that's the first step that a body of praise is taking it seriously as God takes it seriously. Maybe a second thing to say is that we need to remember that our, our bodies are not ours to do with as we please, when we please, how we please, Ooh. because our bodies are not a possession. Um, they're not a thing that we own. And then as proprietors of our body, we can do whatever we want. And I think sometimes it shows up in worship with maybe attitudes or, you know, feelings like I come to worship and I'm just going to do whatever I want. Like, I don't feel it, so I'm not going to do it. Now, mm -hmm. as a pastor, I understand that there needs to be grace for people to be a mess. It's okay. Like mm -hmm. if you're not feeling it, if you're a mess, there is grace to be a mess. But I think sort of a habitual disposition, which is like, I'm going to come and I'll cross my arms. I'm going to sit, I'm going to stand because it's my body and I can do whatever I want with it. Well, I guess I'll just try to say it's not ours. It's the Lord's. It belongs from him and to him and through him and so on and so forth. They're a gift that we steward, that we offer back in love. And that's why the language of a sacrifice of thanksgiving or a sacrifice of praise shows up so often throughout the Psalms and again throughout the New Testament, because what we get to do is we get to offer our body mm. uh, to to God. Mm. And part of that offering of our bodies is to reckon with the fact that it, the purpose of our bodies is not to get out of the way so that our hearts and minds can get on with the, you know, this serious business. Right. But our bodies are offering to God what they can and, and should and need to offer for the sake of fullness of, of life. So what do I mean by that specifically? And by fullness of life, I mean the fullness of being conformed to Jesus himself. So music therapy or a music therapist, art therapist, dance therapist, they yeah. all understand that when yeah. somebody has experienced trauma of some kind, yeah. brokenness, um, you know, PTSD, that their healing involves, you know, ways of thinking, ways of feeling, but also that their the body is part is an active positive player in the healing of our bodies. And I think that's it's why it's so important or so amazing and fascinating how Paul twice in Ephesians and Colossians talks about how important it is that we address one another in song. Um, it's, it's, I think he's drawing attention to like the face-to-face -face yeah. embodied dynamic that happens when we sing because there's a sense in which our bodies singing together corporately, corporeally experience healing. Uh, yes. that, that, that when we sing in melody or harmony together, those musical melodies or harmonies are contributing to the homeostasis of our bodies. Why? Because God designed our bodies. Yes. That like it didn't come from nowhere. Scientists didn't invent it. Scientists just named it, named something that has existed from the beginning.
beginning. I'll give a second example. Breathing, which I'm sure <laughs> you understand uh, better than most. In our family, when we get anxious or stressed out, somebody in the family is always saying, hey, why don't you take a deep breath? <laughs> in through the nose and out through the mouth, mouth. count to four, out you go. <laughs> <laughs> and how so much obviously of scripture is all about, right? Uh, subsisting by the breath of yeah. God. Yes. And when we come to worship, it's not just singing our lungs out that is part of the way that we faithfully love God through our bodies. I, I actually think one of the more um, powerful ways that we can experience health and vitality and wholeness is in silence. And, you know, even as we began, you know, our, our, our conversation, you invited me to take a breath. Well, you took a breath. I took a breath because you took a breath. I was like, I, I want to take a breath too. And then we were silent for, I think probably like a nine Mississippi. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense of like the stilling. And when mm -hmm. we are stilled uh, and we allow sort of our breathing to become regulated, mm -hmm. It's not just sort of like um, um, like a physiotherapeutic benefit, which it is, but what we're doing is, is allowing our bodies and our breath to become attuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be, become attuned to the people around us, and honestly, to be attuned to ourselves because we've come from a very, very noisy world. So one of the things I think, one of the great gifts that we could give ourselves in worship is silence like yes. whenever and however like at the beginning at the end of a song i was we were we went to a church a number of years ago where after the preacher preached his sermon he would sit and then for one or two solid minutes we sat in silence as a way to really be able to give our our brains and our hearts and our bodies a chance to say might there be a word spoken to me and I was just an incredible gift yeah. to be able to receive that. So again, like silence attends to these rhythms of our bodies yeah. that we can't attend to if we're just going, going, going all the time. So there are things like that. I mean, I talk about the importance of touch, meaningful, positive, care-filled touch mm. and laying on hands or a healing prayer, mm. how like our bodies, our, our skin is the biggest organ in our bodies. Mm. And we experience care and Jesus communicates his, his care, what I call his proximate care, love through touching. He could have spoken, right? He could have said, right. he could have commanded, he right. could have thought it, Right. He, he could have been in the other room, but because it remains uh, integral to God's character, he chooses to, to touch us. And so he invites us to, you know, offer that kind of care feel touch and and i, I and I, I i'm i'm mindful that many of us are broken or traumatized yes. by care that was not or, or touch yes. that was not careful uh it was it was violent and so we bring bodies to worship that have been uh you know scarred by touch or starved of touch mm. and so there's a process of discernment and pastoral care and wisdom that comes into play but it's just the touch that we experience with holding hands or lifting hands or receiving healing prayer or whatever it is that people may mm -hmm. do or, or sharing the Lord's supper. All of these are parts um, that our bodies can play like actively. Uh, they're not passive observers. They're active yes. participants and helping us become what I call sort of resensitized 
to Jesus, resensitized yeah. to the people around us through our senses. So those are the kinds of things. I mean, I have a chapter on like uh, exploring people with disabilities and like, not just how can we offer hospitality to them, but what gifts do they offer to us? And even questioning like the cult of normalcy that maybe we're all, you know, um, <laughs> worked up, like I must have a perfect body. Uh, and those wow. with disabilities remind us of things that are central to the gospel, central yeah. to Jesus's own ministry. So amongst other things, those are the kinds of things that I think you oh. know, come into I want to ask this question. What goes through your mind when you walk into an environment of corporate worship and everyone is frozen still as can be? <laughs> well, if I were walking into a Quaker or Amish uh, worship service, I would say, oh, that's, that's probably pretty normal for you guys. You guys are, <laughs> you guys okay. are very, very still, uh, which is kind of par for the course. Um, if it's not the Armish or the Quaker, uh, and it's others and, and, I, and if I were sort of accurately, fairly, uh, lovingly, uh, perceiving, um, yeah. what they were doing with their bodies rather than misperceiving, <laughs> misjudging, um, uh, and I have been a part of churches that maybe, uh, you know, uh, fulfilled that, that description. I, I think a lot of people, um, are either uncomfortable with their bodies, don't know what to do with their bodies, are confused by their bodies, are terrified by their bodies, um, or believe that uh, it is more holy um, to be mm -hmm. completely still um, in their bodies. It's more dignified. Um, it's more reverential. Maybe mm -hmm. those are the thoughts that are going through their minds. Um, so I, I think probably lots of things, you know, coming through, uh, you know, people's thinking. And one of the things I try to help readers appreciate, maybe like to, to read scripture in fresh ways. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but just in case you don't, right now, The Body Revelation, my book that released in June is available everywhere and anywhere. Pick it up to learn how to metabolize pain, banish shame, and connect to God with your whole self. If your body has felt more like a problem to be solved than a mystery and a beauty to be discovered, then you need to pick up this book. Everything we do on this podcast back at Revelation Wellness over on the website in the app is pointing you towards this greater message of healing. But before we can receive good news with all of who we are, We've got to be willing to look at some of the bad news. We can do this, friends. This is why we train. We can hold the tension. So I sure hope you will pick up a copy of The Body Revelation. And let's keep training. And one of the things I try to help readers appreciate, maybe like to, to read scripture in fresh ways, is to imagine what our experience of being before our maker in our resurrected lives Imagine like all the different ways, like it's not going to be one singular way, but all the different ways that your body will want to show honor or want to show affection or want to yeah. show humility. Yeah. Um, and so why not now begin to rehearse, to begin what? to enter in into these resurrect and re resurrection realities that are really ours for the taking because the Holy Spirit is 
the down payment is the foretaste yes. Yes. of what awaits us. Yes. And so yes. some days you will know how important it is to say, uh, to lift your hands or to have your hands held palms open, um, not because you feel like it, not yeah. because it's your personality, not because you're charismatic or because you're expressive, but simply for the fact that you need mercy or yeah. you wish to, to honor the one to whom all honor is due. Yeah. But then there'll be other Sundays in which there'll be this overflow or a fresh encounter with the goodness of God or the, the mercy of God or the beauty of God. And you'll be thinking to yourself, gosh, in the same way that when I go to a sporting event, football, basketball, baseball, and we are winning. Losing <laughs> and our minds. I, I, yeah, and Absolutely. I throw open my hands in the most spontaneous and natural way. And I don't think to myself, negative peer pressure. I think to myself, I am getting caught up. I am getting caught up in this infectious joy. And of course my body would do this. Wow. Would you not want to do that with the maker of heaven and earth, the, the, the everlasting desire of nation, the one in whose image you are made? Come would that on. not be something you would want to do? And so that's the invitation of the book. <laughs> you, you didn't even mention body paint. Like no, no, I didn't. Paint <laughs> yes, their exactly. bodies. They paint. They, <laughs> they get do. Half naked. I know. Paint their bodies. <laughs> totally normal. Like yes, I know. But yet it, it is. I, I'll just. I'm not. I don't have to be the smarty pants here. So I will just say, for me, I when I walk into an environment of worship, um, and I love, like, yes, if I walk into um, an environment that is not my kind of home church or expression, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to mm -hmm. honor whatever's going on in the room. Sure. But when it's my own people, my own place, right. and you're sowing into that community and you look around and I, I've, I've been talking to a friend of mine who's a worship leader, mm. but I just see all frozen shoulders. Mm -hmm. It's just like a frozen shoulder condition. Mm -hmm. And I, and I'm so jealous for Jesus, for them. Yes. I'm like, he's yes. better. He's worthy. Yeah. And you had a great worship band. I mean, this worship band is singing their face, singing their face off and right. they're after it. And I'm like, why, why, right. why are we not losing ourselves here? He's, he's here. He's here. Right. But I, right. so I was having a moment with the Lord, like <laughs> help my heart, God. Cause sometimes I feel like Jeremiah and just my heart, my, <laughs> I want to rend my right. clothes and be like, help us repent. And I got this picture. I said, Lord, tell me what, what is this? And mm -hmm. I got this vision of, um, um, Tom Hanks on Castaway. Oh yeah. Uh -huh. And when yeah. he gets the fire and he's like running around, right. He's right. like <laughs> making a fool. There's nobody there. He's just mm -hmm. making a fool. He's right. like, I have fire, which means <laughs> I can now be saved. Right. And I thought if you were on an Island desk, destitute, you got nothing, you could die. And a cruise right. ship or something goes by, you will lose your mind yeah. to be safe. You, right. you will absolutely everything, body, breath you're right. in. Right. And that's the very thing that Jesus has done is that we right. have been saved by him. But then right. I think, and the Lord's like, they, they love me, but they're just <laughs> no, don't know the price, like the salvation right. because yeah. we're comfortable. And right. we think, well, I have a right. I, I'm saved with my heart sure. and my right. little right. confession inside, right. but I haven't fully come fully yes. to, yeah. to give him everything. Yeah. Um, and I love that quote by Elizabeth Elliot, who says you can't give God your heart and keep your body to yourself. Mm. And 
I'm That's so just good. waiting for the day that we're all body <laughs> painting, running around and we're saved and yeah, it's better and worthy. Well, if I may mention, I, I, I am aware that for many men, not all, but for many men, this is just a hard hill to climb yes. for many reasons, right? You know, there are home cultures, family cultures, personality yes. types. Yes. In the book, I write about a young man who was getting his MBA at the University of Texas when I was a pastor at our church. And our church would be like moderately charismatic, so hand-raising, normal. Um, that would be like the most normal kind of thing. Uh, maybe the kids might be dancing over off in the corner, but the rest of us were kind of in our pews, uh, and he started attending, uh, our church and he did not come from a charismatic background, but he really folded himself in a really kind of beautiful way. And then one Sunday, uh, we're in the middle of, you know, like an extended 20, 25 minute, uh, period of worship song. And, um, uh, um, with no advance notice, he launches himself into what I can only describe as like a v Maria von Trapp from the hills are, you know, are alive with the sound of music. Uh, and he just starts um, dancing uh, up and down the aisles, kind of doing a circuit. He does a couple circuits and then he <laughs> comes back into the pew and then just stands to keep singing. And it completely baffled us. We thought this is the craziest and the weirdest thing we've ever seen because nobody does that. Now, Tim Deal is his name, and I've written about him, and I've talked about him, and, and we're friends still, and I love that man. He is, he was, as conservative as you can get. Dockers, button down, clean haircut, <laughs> clean cut, polite, well-mannered, as, you know, business, everything. And eventually, I plucked up the courage to ask him, like, um, can you help me understand? I mean, I, I think it's pretty remarkable, and I don't understand it. I love it. I've never joined you. Um, and he basically said, you know what? I grew up in a tradition where we didn't do this and I have been afraid of how people perceive me and I don't want to be judged. And I felt like the Holy spirit was convicting me to do this because mm -hmm. this was my sacrifice of praise, praise. to become unselfconscious and unselfprotective, uh, and to release it. And I thought that was one of the most amazing Jesus-y, biblical, beautiful images of, if I may say it this way, of what it means to be a real man. Uh, mm. One who, like King David and others in the Gospels, give themselves unself-protectively. And I think that's one of the reasons why men are so afraid of this and why they really do you know, cling to this idea that boys don't cry because crying and doing these other things are very vulnerable. They're physically vulnerable. Yes. And the last thing we want to be is to be taken advantage of and we will be ridiculed. But for Jesus, surely these things are worth it. And maybe my job as a pastor is to help the men mm -hmm. in my community to feel in their heart mm -hmm. and to think deeply with their <laughs> their brains, mm -hmm. like Jesus is worth it. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe you haven't had that encounter. Mm -hmm. And then eventually maybe your body can participate in that, or your body may lead you. You begin doing things with your bodies that you don't feel or think in the moment, but you know, they're true. Yes. And then your heart or your emotions, yes. you know, eventually start catching up. So I write about in the book because he's still, Tim Deal is just such a beautiful. <laughs> what a beautiful um, model yeah. and yeah i want to know tim deal wow <laughs> he's my kind he's of guy good, he's one of the good ones <laughs> that's one of the things uh where did you live uh david 
again? I live in Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, if we are ever, ever at a Rev on the Road event, so we we do these events oh, that go oh, around. Fun. Man, I would just love for you to be there for a second oh, I, because this is be what fun. this is what we do is to put people in environment again Trojan mm-hmm. horse. Mm-hmm. We show up like as if it's a fitness, wellness, health mm-hmm. thing, um, and but we come with ushering this this body of praise, this worship, mm-hmm. and I what the and men do come, and I'm so grateful for it's obviously <laughs> often wives dragging their I, men yes, there because they know it's going to be I'm going to move with a group of people, rhythm, time, dance, mm-hmm. like some of it might feel dancey to them, <laughs> but it's this is the 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 beautiful kind of place, and I hold it with high honor and and respect for the men who come is that mm. I kind of help them to move their body in a way mm. they wouldn't have permission other place, other yeah. ways to do because it's sure. a permissive environment. Right. And I can see the men and we get the testimonies back of men that were like, mm. I was resistant. I didn't want yeah. to, but because right. this was a, let's exercise this, let's move this way. Let's try. Right. And it's a lot of mirror me, do what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, totally. And they will kind of release themselves because someone's, leading it. And the hope is that then they will have something unlock inside yeah. of them, like a Tim deal moment yeah. of like, you know what? <laughs> I'm getting over myself. I'm, I'm a break free and, and yeah. give that sacrifice of praise. Yeah. So, That's wonderful. It's I love it's, that. And I, yeah. I love what you are doing. I'm so grateful you're doing it. I want you to keep doing it. Although I'm sure you're going to write a book on something else now, but <laughs> my goodness. We are grateful to know you in this. Uh, before I hang up with you, I want to know, would you promise me to come back? <laughs> oh, I would love to. Um, I want you to come back, to. whether you next yeah. book, whatever you do, like this is a place we, you're, there's people here that want to hear what you have to say. It's, it's I would love it. You know, I mean, it, 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 well, if it seemed good to you and the Holy Spirit, as they say in the book of Acts, uh, I have two chapters in this book on the arts and the sciences. Yes. And in the chapter on, on the arts, I do talk about the shakers actually, and sort mm-hmm. of how dance was this extraordinary vehicle for discipling, but the sciences are so fascinating to me. And I think, you know, I, I saw your table of contents in, in your forthcoming book yes. and, uh, and how so much of what the work that you're doing is, uh, you know, uh, taking advantage of the insights of, yes. of, of scientists and therapists and others, you know, understand what's going on in our bodies and I just had a heck of a lot of fun with that chapter, uh, making sense of the things that happen. Well, in the chapter, I talk about the sense of smell, uh, the sense yes. of sound, the sense of, of sight, and how scientists and psychologists and others just provide vocabulary to explain like what's going on when we smell things or see things or touch or taste, you know, all of our yes. senses. So. Um, that is something I'm going to continue writing. I'm actually working right now, like some of my research is on a theology of tears and a theology of laughter. Yes. Um, because I think those are the two most, um, most expansively unself-protective physical things that humans do. Like when you have a good laugh or a good cry, it's like, it's a hundred percent, your body's completely given over to it. And I just think those are beautiful little images of of following Jesus and, and worshiping amen. Jesus. So whatever, these are things that we're thinking about. That, that, well, well, yes. And amen. I <laughs> want you back. So write that book, do that thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, okay. Fun questions before you go. So our audience can just okay. get to know you, okay. uh, by the way, you're such a great, I just really enjoy you. We did, we, so you all know listeners, we send out some questionnaires to our, um, our guests just to get to know them a little more. Uh, David, you like cared so much about the questions. Like you really took time to answer wow. them. Well, I mean, I, you said this... it to me. I was like, I'm going to answer. I told you what size <laughs> shoe I am. <laughs> I mean, mo well, that's good. I need to know that. Most people though, it's like, you know, one, I I'm busy. I've got one sentence. Right. Like, I feel like I've got like a little, I just feel encouraged. Like, God, you really cared about these questions <laughs> anyways. So now we get to do some fun questions. Okay. Um, your, we want to know coffee, tea, or kombucha. What's your go-to drink? Well, the truth is, um, since you offer kombucha as an answer, it's coffee in the morning, kombucha in the afternoon. Me I too. love kombucha. What yeah. kind of kombucha? What's your flavor? Um, or I, I, I love spicy foods. So anything that's like gingery or a jalapeno-y or something like that. I just, I love a, a, a sharp kind of kombucha. Me too. Love that. Okay. <laughs> um, your favorite way to move your body? What feels like an offering of? Yes, praise? I... I mean, this may sound sort of unimaginative. I love walking. I, I, that is I not pray. unimaginative. <laughs> yes. I mean, I figured you'd be fine with it, but <laughs> I pray walking. I think walking. I, yes. I get unstuck in my writing by walking. Is that what you, so will you write and then just get out for a walk and process yeah. what you're. Y yes. When I, when I work on a sermon and I feel stuck, I will go for a walk and I'll, I'll sort of think or talk out loud and in, invariably it'll it like, clears. Oh, there it is. Um, so true. Yeah. So walking. That's a good one. Walking's a favorite around here. And uh, then your, <laughs> I won't ask you about workout clothes. That's a, that's the question we usually ask a lot of the like, where's your I'm about place? to go work out after I'm off with you. So, okay. What, uh, if you're going to go work out, what are you going to, what's your, like your uniform <laughs> of choice? Yes. Well, it, uh, it's just sort of like, uh, I, I, I'm kind of loose, um, you know, uh, workout shorts. Uh, but my, because my little sister had the strength and conditioning gym and she called it grit. Uh, she had all these t-shirts that she made okay. for it. And so I have like 10, uh, gray or black, uh, t-shirts with the words grit, because grit. I'm like, this is what I need. I need some grit today. So people, do people go, Hey, grit, what's up? They call you by grit. Cause you have your shirt <laughs> on the same. Well, I mean, if you're in the deep South grit, you add an S and it's something <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's but... why I'm here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love it. Well, be on the lookout because we're going to, we're going to clothe you in some revelation wellness. Sweat. Hey, I'll wear it. Will I'll you? post it on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> we got stuff headed your way. We're super, super <laughs> excited to, to to give you some some swag for sure. I love it. Thank All you. right. Well, you guys go to uh, get the book and any place books are sold, Amazon. It's again called A Body of Praise. I know if you guys are hearing this now, I think you're, this is going to air after my book has come out. I honestly want you to read both books. Like <laughs> these are the books, everyone. I feel... Um, I hope there's more out there. That's something I'm, I would love to ask you offline here in a second, but I am looking for, you know, just all those resources and the voices of one crying out in the wilderness. So thanks for coming out in the wilderness and having a little conversation um, with us here. We're so grateful. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Friends, we hope this episode blessed you. And if you love it as much as we did, would you share it with a friend? 
and be sure to swipe up on the show notes. You will find all the links mentioned in the episode. Let's keep the conversation going. You can leave us an audio message and tell us how this episode sparked something in your heart. We would love to hear from you and hear what you think. Thank you for being here and be sure to connect with us soon in all the places. Peace.